0: This is Notable Nerds, a pro-nerd report podcast where we introduce you to really cool nerds who are doing really cool things. I'm your host, Sebastian Maldon, and my goal is to highlight nerdy, talented people who are killing it in the world. In each episode, we will hear their origin story, and they will impart a bit of advice and wisdom to others who might be looking to get in their industry or just learn something new. Without further ado, thank you for joining us, and now let's meet today's Notable Nerd. Hey, it's your boy Sebastian. Just wanted to give you a heads up that this episode of Notable Nerds was recorded before I changed the podcast name from The Pro Nerd Report to Notable Nerds. Notable Nerds is a podcast under the Pro Nerd Report brand. Just wanted to let you know so you didn't think you were listening to the wrong show. That said, thank you and enjoy. What's up, Pro Nerd Nation? Coming up on today's show, I talk with the founder and director of Hiding Spot Games, Matt Meyer. He's here to talk about the upcoming must play indie game, Beacon Pines. We're diving into the game development, what inspired the game, and some challenges into making Beacon Pines. All this and more on this episode of the Pro Nerd Report. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a special guest with me today. Like I said in the intro, he is the founder and director of Hiding Spot Games. He's here to talk about his upcoming must-play game, Beacon Pods. This is Matt Meyer. How are you doing, Matt? Doing good. A little tired with the release coming up, but doing pretty good. So, Matt, for people who may not know you, can you introduce yourself to the audience?
1: Yeah, I'm... uh a game developer from Austin, Texas. Hiding Spot Games is based here in Austin. And um yeah, our game Beacon Pines is, is like I said coming out soon. I do pretty much everything but the art. Um so just to quickly give you a sense of the team, it's myself, an artist, and then one other person who co writes with me. That's it. We all well that's really cool. Do everything on the game.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. So how long have you been in game development?
1: Um probably 11 or 12 years um pretty much since i moved to austin i started you know did the thing of move somewhere and try something new i didn't really know what i what i was going to do when i moved to austin but i had worked sort of as a corporate programmer drone in chicago before i moved down and decided to do something more interesting with my skill set and i've always played music so i wanted to like be able to put, make music for games. And that seemed like the quickest way to get music in a game is to make a game myself. Then I get to
0: put my own music in the game selfishly. Really cool. So did all the music come from you? Yeah. Okay. That's really dope.
1: I write all the music for the games I've made.
0: That is really cool. So for all my first time guests, I have one putting you on the spot question based on your area of expertise. So, your video game based putting you on the spot question, is going to be, what is your top five games of all time?
1: Um, The funny thing is, I, I don't play a whole lot of video games. I mean, it might, might actually be not too crazy of an answer for game developers, because making games is sort of your life when you start doing it. It just takes it so hard to make games. It takes so much time. But... um. The games I've probably played most in my life, like Diablo, growing up, was something that I really got sucked into. Um, Diablo 2, I guess, was when I was younger I played. Um, showing my age, because that's like that's a long time ago. But, but Diablo 3, too. And then similar, like a lot of the Blizzard games, I guess, I played World of Warcraft, um, Overwatch. I'm trying to think of non-Blizzard games. Company of Heroes I played a lot of. Um, not too many people play it though so I had to move on. I guess that's set that 3 or 4. And I whenever I can talk myself into it, I'll go back and play some Dota, but community is just so brutal that it's hard to <laughs> talk myself into going and playing Dota.
0: Yeah. I, I love the game, that not not so
1: much the community.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I get that completely. So that's kind of interesting. You like, you listed out all the games that you grew up playing. All those games are very different than your upcoming game. Like, that's pretty interesting because yeah, yeah. normally you always see like a correlation between like a, what a game developer is developing and like something that they actually like love to play. So yours is kind yeah, of so those
1: Those games are mostly when I was younger. Like, I do play a mm-hmm. lot more indie games now that I make indie games, um, <laughs> both as sort of research and because it's kind of what I like these days. Um, I don't know. I feel like that when I got older, I started valuing my time more, and indie games generally respect your time a lot more than games that are meant to like sink thousands of hours into um, so yeah i've I've played lots of indie games like some of the ones that inspire the games that I make are like journey and um artst sort of games like that um, are sort of the the pinnacle for what I looked look towards when I'm trying to make. Really interesting, worthwhile games.
0: Okay, I can see that. I can see that. So let's dive into it. Let's talk about your game, Beacon Pines. How would you describe this game for the audience?
1: So one of the easiest ways we've found to describe it is it's kind of like, well, it's a narrative game, but the, the vibe is kind of Winnie the Pooh meets Stranger Things, um, which does a good job of communicating. Like it's a it looks very cute and innocent, but it's really not like the story that's going on is is spooky and has adult themes and has a lot of mysteries um, going on. So it's maybe confusing to try and mix Winnie the Pooh and Stranger Things in your head, but it's at least an intriguing way to describe it. So that's a lot of times what we what we do. Um, I can give the non-elevator pitch version, which is we might cover in other questions more because I don't want to ramble too much describing
0: it. No, no, I think that's a pretty good explanation. So it kind of has that cutesy art style but kind of a darker twist on the narrative you know like yeah. and i think that shones through especially in the trailers you know that really kind of like shones through so one of the primary game mechanics of beacon pines is that the story changes based on the words you use at important moments of the game what is it like developing all these narrative branches
1: brutal it is <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, i didn't know what i was getting to when we when we started this um So one of the biggest things that we decided early on of all the decisions you have to make when you're making a game was when the player makes a choice, it's going to be an entirely different story. Um, Not just like something's going to change between one character and another based on the choice you make, but it's like you're you're never going to see really the same thing twice if you go back and make a different choice, which... Again, we might get to, but that's another one of the core mechanics is being able to just change your decisions, sort of. We build in saves coming right into the game mechanic, basically.
0: That's a really interesting concept. Like, was that the intended purpose from the very beginning? Like, or did that kind of, like, evolve as, like, development kind of evolved?
1: Uh, The the changing decisions thing? Yeah. Yeah, that was... It kind of came naturally from some of the other mechanics. So, like, one of the the first... ideas for the game was this idea that you find words that are used in missing sort of we call them sort of slots um the in game term is turning points so you'll at certain points in the game you'll be presented with um some text that's a part of the story but has a word missing and so you'll be able to select a word of you know whatever words actually are implemented and appropriate for that turning point. Say Luca is, uh, one of them is like Luca's talking to a friend and it describes the weather changing, the clouds either breaking or rumbling. And depending on which choice you make there, you get a totally different story. But it's all a part of one cohesive narrative, which which is why I said it's it was brutal to write because we had to sort of try and write one story from a bunch of stories um, that are parallel. Um, so like, yeah, if the weather gets bad, then you go inside and have this whole like other friend that you get more acquainted with, and you find out all this stuff that you wouldn't have found out in other branches. But then you can go back and go down that other branch, too, and then sort of piece together all the, we like like to like leave little breadcrumbs in all the different branches. So a lot of the game is about exploring every branch, or at least as many as, you know, you want to, Um, but it was not, it was fun writing the game. It wasn't fun trying to make that all work and cohesive. Hopefully we pulled it off, but it was, it was one of the hardest parts of making the game.
0: So I'm curious, Matt, what was the inspiration behind Beacon Ponds? What inspired you to create this game?
1: So I guess it sort of aligns with what I was saying before. Like I just, When I moved to Austin, I wanted to make games, and I made a couple of games, and I've sort of tried to make something different and more interesting and more, um, and bigger each time. So, this this game, I can give you a little bit of the weird history of Beacon Pines, which is it started off as a RPG battler, like arena battler game. What? Um, and it was still the same character main character was Luca and this actually this describes this explains why it's sort of got a bit of a fantasy feel to it like it's got anthropomorphic characters and stuff that also just came from the original prototype being sort of this it was an rpg rhythm-based battler game and so Ilsa the artist made all these sort of fantasy characters to go along with it and it's sort of more natural to have anthropomorphic characters like there was these bird people enemies in the rpg battler and stuff like that but luca was there he was the the character that you played as the battle stuff didn't we never really found the fun there it was a cool idea but i prototyped a whole bunch of ideas and it never really came together whereas the thing that came together was the story like this character of luca we started putting in pieces for exploring the environment, like between the battles, and decided to just throw away the battle part and keep all the in-between bits, because that was the only thing that felt kind of promising and and interesting. And that's probably largely thanks to just Ilsa's art is so amazing that like these characters need more story. Like they're, you really want, even just seeing the the art, you want to learn more about the characters.
0: A lot of this takes place in a storybook. Was that, like, the inspiration from the beginning as well? I mean, well, after you evolved from, like, the battle mechanic? Did that quickly become yeah, that a sort of Yeah, that was
1: sort of another evolution after, after just focusing on the narrative side of it. Um, that's when I started playing around with the idea of just words that you would collect. Um, I guess one of the concerns when you're, like I said, making games is hard and it's even harder to survive making games um so i try i try my best to b- both make games that i want to make and i think are worthwhile but make a living doing it and and that's that's hard to do so you have to keep in mind like okay i'm throwing away the thing that was sort of the hooky part the battle rhythm game um which is was kind of the one thing that like stood out about it at the, at that point so, I needed something else. If we're going to make it just about a narrative, we need some other hook. And so that's where the charms and the putting a word in an empty spot in the story to totally change the story came about. That felt like uh, something interesting we hadn't seen in other narrative games. Most narrative games, you get sort of a s- selection, a prompt for like, here's three sentences you could say or three responses you can give. And it's just presented to you as that. Um, and we found. A lot of interesting things came from the charms that you collect is a you can bring them with you. So it's sort of like your choices are in your inventory as opposed to just being presented to you in a conversation with the characters that you run across. So you get the charm break like you can use in the crowd, but that's all or in the cloud section I was just talking about. But that's also a word you could potentially go to a different branch and use in a totally different turning point. So it's it's different than just being presented with these selections of options. You're carrying the options with you, which then led to... to...
0: choose your words carefully, and so does yeah, you know?
1: <laughs> I'll, I'll come around Literally. to actually answering your question now about the book. Um, I almost forgot. So the book was, yeah, the next step in sort of figuring out what the theming is and how the mechanics work. Um, the book always felt like such a good fit for both Ilsa's art and the, the way we were telling a story some of the early concept art that Ilsa did for the exploring around the world part of the game was these sort of faded-edged, almost looked-like illustrations out of a storybook um, environments. And we, we spent a lot of time going back and forth, like, okay, well, how are we going to make put this into, like, connect the areas? Like, we've got this one faded-edged little area. Are we going to... How are we going to connect it with the next area that you have to go to and explore? And we just decided to just leave it as It's Like it's it's sort of like a page out of a storybook. When you leave one area, I might start calling them Ramas because we shorthand call them Ramas instead of like diorama because they kinda look like dioramas, but it's a long word to say over and over again when you're talking about the game. So these Ramas you, you can bounce around from one to the other, but um you never see sort of the the outside edges. It's always these faded edged things that look like they come out of a storybook. So then it just felt like we we should do the decisions in a book. We should pull out. you should see it would be cool if you could see the actual everything you were doing on the page of a book, make a decision, then and then go zoom back in and see the result um, and play out the result as Luca. I prototyped that out and it it kind of clicked. it was it was a pain in the butt to to do. And to this day, anytime I have to like go into that code for dealing with how you come in and out of the book. I was just like, I don't want to change anything. It's so fragile and like weird how everything gets rendered. And it's like my nightmare having to change anything about that. If there's like bugs with it, I'm like, no. That's like a week down the drain having to go into oh, that no.
0: code. Oh, no. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. That sounds rough. That sounds really rough. Yeah. Yeah. But it yeah, just least-
1: kind of worked. So, yeah, we kept it.
0: Yeah, I was about to say it's a really cool, um, it's a really cool game mechanic and a really cool aesthetic that kind of really works well as well. So I'm like, it's a really cool storytelling device. I got a question about the art style. What made you go with like the cutesy kind of art style? Because this is a darker kind of tale. This is kind of like almost like a Peaky Blinders esque kind of narrative. What made you go with this like cutesy art style to match that?
1: Yeah, so that is probably more a question for Ilsa the artist, but. It was related to, like I said, originally it, it didn't start with the idea of the story. It started with the idea of this battle game with, with an RPG theme, which felt kind of natural to have these anthropomorphic characters. Ilsa's art, I think, naturally is, I don't want to call it cute, but like she always has these very expressive faces, even if she's you know, anthropomorphic or human characters, she does a lot of art for too like the big eyes and like very cute um, characters. So then we're left with this problem of, well, the story we want to write isn't a, a kid's story. Um, we want to, we're adults and we want to write stories for ourselves as our like as we would want to experience them. So, and we have, we have experience as kids and we try to imbue the game with some of that sort of childlike nostalgia and fun moments. There's like all these little, Moment to moment things of like running through dandelions and smacking watermelons and throwing chucking stuff um, at fences and at other stuff, but the the actual underlying story is more things that we relate to when we're writing it as adults. So that so, can get kind of heavy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really can. It really can. So did you go, what and what was the music process like coming up for like the music of this game?
1: The music was kind of, kind of rough. Like I've, so the two games I made previously that I wrote the music for the first was a game. I had sort of explained, you'll understand why it was a game wrapped around an album of music. Cause like I said, I wanted to write music for games. So I just made a game and it was even sort of worse than that. It was in reverse order. I, I was writing music and then making gameplay around it. Um, so that was called Ephemerid, a musical adventure. And that was like ages ago, um, just for iPad, which again, in terms of running a business, not a smart decision. Um, <laughs> but then the next game, so that was like an easier time because I was just writing music, like the music I wanted to write and made a game around it. And the next game was a mobile game and a very action heavy game, um, which I don't know, felt a little easier for me to write the music for because music wasn't as front and center. Um, It just needed to sort of keep the, the rhythm and the pace going. For Beacon Pines, I desperately want music to be a big part of it. And I, I hope it, it is still, but it doesn't, it can't dominate the scenes. Like the stories need to take priority. The characters having conversations with each other can't be interrupted by bombastic music and things that just distract you from it. And on top of that, we have a, a narrator voice actor now so every time the narrator talks it's a voice actor actress so she obviously i don't want her to be drowned out by the music either so i had a hard time finding like what's a the the theme and vibe of the music and how do i integrate it in ways that doesn't collide with the gameplay and the the story hopefully again i've i've landed on something that works it's sort of um it's it's a very simple um A lot of like just piano and maybe some strings and then some other stuff that's just guitar and some strings. Some moments where it gets kind of creepy and intense, I get some synth going on. But for the most part, I've found it fit best when I stripped it down, just the simplest components, just a a couple instruments.
0: I really think this is a very cool concept, and it looks like you're you like killed it with the narrative part of it, killed it with the music, and the visuals are very impressive and have this like storybook kind of like atmosphere going on around it. It, It's it seems like one of those things that I can't wait to play, so I'm very much excited for this game to come out. When does it release?
1: September 22nd. (laughs) <laughs> Which
0: I need to get one of those like
1: ring things that I tear off because mm-hmm. that's where I'm at now. Just like waiting every day. It's it's very a lot of anxiety. We I mean, spent like five so. years making a thing and then it's like, OK, now it's going out into the world. It's <laughs> I'm a ball of nerves.
0: I bet a bit. So where's the vacation going to be at after the game comes out? <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I don't know. I haven't even
0: thought about it. You're going to have to and take some- a nice trip somewhere. I mean, this is a yeah. five year journey that you're ending. I'm trying celebrate. to decide
1: if it should be somewhere with not a lot of people or somewhere with a lot of people because I've been secluded in my apartment most of the last five years making <laughs> this game. I should probably go to like a city, maybe back to Chicago. and.
0: Yeah, that, that sounds pretty good. That sounds pretty good. Maybe you can do a mixture of both somewhere that kind of has like a secluded part and then kind of has a city vibe, maybe like a Portland or maybe a Honolulu kind of thing.
1: I've actually never been to Portland, but I've always wanted to go. So maybe yeah, I'll take you up years. on that
0: idea yeah for sure for sure if you do let me know how it goes okay matt i gotta tell you thank you so much for being on the show today i'm very much looking forward to playing beacon pines when it comes out before we go though where can the good people find you
1: um so our most of our handles are at beacon pines one word so like the twitter account the tiktok account um hiding uh, is the website and yeah i think i think that's that's those are good places to find us. You can search on Steam for Beacon Pines, and you should be able to find it pretty easy. Okay,
0: sounds good. Sounds good. Thank you, Matt, for joining us on this episode of the Pro Nerd Report, and I can't wait to talk to you after the game comes out. You know, like, get Thanks your fill, maybe. Me. Yeah, for sure. It was great being here, and, you know, like, I can't wait for this game. This seems like it's going to be right up my alley. I love narrative-based games. Cool. Glad to hear it. <laughs> well, I'll catch you on the next one. Bye, Matt. Bye. Hey, what's up, everyone? Thank you so much for listening to the episode. I just want to remind you that you can get Notable Nerds every single Thursday, and we're going to bring you the dopest guest in the nerd community. If you want to suggest a nerd that you think should be on the show or discuss topics of an episode with others, join us on the Pro Nerd Report Facebook group. Once you're in, go ahead and provide some feedback. The link to join us in the Pro Nerd Report free Facebook group is in the show notes. We want to thank you for joining us today, and we hope to catch you every single Thursday. I'll let your boy later. Peace.